Open your Bibles with me to the 113th Psalm. A short psalm of praise and worship to the Lord Jehovah. The psalm opens and ends with hallelujah, which is praise to the Lord Jehovah. Praise ye the Lord. A short sentence that opens and ends this particular psalm and the thoughts that are expressed by the Holy Spirit through the psalmist in this short psalm are very easy to understand, and yet they should lift our hearts and spirits in worshiping Him who created us and all things, and Him who has saved us, and reserved an eternal inheritance in heaven for us. Let's all rise together to do reverence to the Word of God and to the God of His precious Word. Psalm 113 in unison. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Praise ye the Lord. God Jehovah, the God of the Bible the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and especially of Moses. For it was to Moses he revealed himself by the name, I am that I am. And he is our God, our creator, our savior, by choosing us in the Lord Jesus Christ before the world began. Simple thoughts in this particular psalm of praise. It opens and begins with, Praise ye the Lord, worship, extol, ascribe greatness to God but not to any God, to the Lord, the capital L-O-R-D, the Lord Jehovah. That verb that is the next word, praise, that has a comma following it, praise. That's an imperative verb, meaning that it's telling us to do something, and it's telling who should do it. And if we're the servants of the Lord today, we should be doing it. Praise. O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. And what is His name? His name is Jehovah. God is more a title than a name. And so when men speak about worshiping the same God, or anything like that, or we just use the statement that I worship God, that isn't good enough. We want to say I worship the Lord Jehovah. I worship, that's the name of the God of the Bible. Or I worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that will get you some enemies in short order. If you lift up the Lord Jesus Christ against Muhammad, 
Allah, Vishnu, Brahma, Buddha, the Great Spirit, and others by identifying the name of whom we worship. And that's what we're told to do right here in this first verse. O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. No God has a name like our God. I am that I am. He is independent of all creatures. He is independent of all creation. He is the source of all things. He is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He numbered and named the stars. He can tell them, meaning he can count them all. He has put all planets in their orbit. He's created the earth, the heavens above the earth, the sea upon the earth, and the things in the sea. He's the creator God of the heavens. He's the God that's revealed himself through this wonderful book that we have called the Bible, penned down by 40 different writers over 1,500 years of time. So unlike the illiterate jabberings of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, and their moon god of the Arabians, and their their meteor that they kiss in Mecca. Here we have the name of the Lord, and we should always be very defensive about His name, and we should use His name so that we can clarify that there is a difference. We are sorry that our previous president would say that the God of Islam and the God of Christians is the same God. No, He isn't the same God. They have very different names. And God is not a name. Jehovah is His name. And the Lord Jesus Christ is His name, which is above every name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The name is mentioned again in the second verse. From this time forth and forevermore. And so in the second verse is how often should praise go up? When should praise be offered to the Lord Jehovah? All the time. From this point in time on a timeline, forever. From this time forth and forevermore, we should praise the Lord. And if our hearts are right, so that we don't waste any years remaining in our lives here on this earth, and if we're His children, we shall spend eternity praising the name of the Lord. Amen. Where should praise be offered up? Since when is answered in verse 2, what about where? Verse 3 tells us, From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. We have an eastern hemisphere and a western hemisphere. We have the land of the rising sun, thinking of Japan, at the western end of, side of the Pacific Ocean. And we have the United States on the other side of that Pacific Ocean. And so from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, and that all depends on where you're standing, but it covers the entire earth, men should praise the Lord. From the rising of the sun, whether it be Japan, unto the going down of the same, whether it be the United States, the Lord's name is to be praised. And so we want to lift Him up. He only is Jehovah. He only is I am. I am. Not I was, not I was created, I am. We want to love His name and bless Him and praise Him and know that He has revealed Himself to us or we could be worshiping the gods of the nations. And He has something to say about them next. Verse 4, The Lord is high 
above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Again, it's the capitalized L-O-R-D showing us that it's Jehovah under consideration. He is high above all nations. The nations come up with gods to their liking. They come up with gods that they maintain over many generations, yea, over many centuries, yea, in some cases over millennia. But the Lord, Jehovah, is high above them. Their gods are down here because they're crafted by men's hands. And if they're not crafted by men's hands, then they are crafted by the hallucinating imagination of men. But the Lord's revealed Himself to us in His Word, the Bible. And we're thankful for that. He's high above all the nations of the earth and His glory above the heavens. Now to illustrate how high He is in His glory, we have an exclamation point after the 5th and 6th verses. Even though it's formed like a question, it's making a statement. Who is like unto the Lord our God? They have their gods. The Greeks and the Romans can have their Jupiters and their Zeus and Apollo and the rest of their imagined gods and the little fairy tales that they made up about them. But who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? He's not in the Acropolis and he's not in the Pantheon and he's not anywhere on earth. He dwells in high, except he fills heaven and earth, but he dwells in heaven. He dwelleth on high. Who is like him? Their gods aren't like that. You know, in Psalm 115 and Psalm 135 is where the psalmist mocks the gods of the heathen by saying, they have ears, but they hear not. They have eyes, but they see not. Mouths have they, but they speak not. They have legs, but they must be carried about by men. They're entirely ignorant, stupid, and unable to do anything, and so are those that worship them. And it goes into this long explanation in those two psalms of describing the gods of everyone else. And then it says, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. And what a difference. And we just sang about that sovereign Lord in the hymn before the reading of this psalm. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven? And in the earth. Our God is so great and so high, He must stoop down and humble Himself and leave His ordinary business of things to get down to the angelic realm. The armies of heaven, the host of the angelic angels, He must stoop and humble Himself to get down to their level, let alone the things in the earth. You know, when our earth does something that they think is big, whether it be a Super Bowl or put the military on parade or whatever they do, none of it matters. When they have an inauguration and they have the band strike up or they have a funeral, none of that even counts because the things done in heaven are so much greater than the things on earth and yet God must stoop for the things in heaven. How much more must He stoop for the things on earth? They're beneath Him. And so the heathen nations have their gods involved in everything because they're down here on earth, but our God is in the heavens. And who is like unto Him? Who has to humble Himself to look upon the things that are even in heaven, and especially the things that are in the earth? Exclamation point. Thank you, Lord, for putting a stamp of exclamation in our King James Bibles. And then this great God, who is in the heavens, 
who is high above all the nations, whose glory is very high and lifted up, who must humble himself to look at the angels, he does things for men. He does things for lonely, lowly men. He does things for poor men. He does things for poor women. And so we have a brief description of this great God reaching down and helping His little children. Verse 7, He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that He may set him with princes, even with the princes of His people. We have been pulled out of the dust. We have been pulled out of the dunghill, as it were. Those are metaphors for the lowest of men. We have been lifted up out of that to be princes among His people. The angels are our servants. The apostles are our brothers. And we are the sons of God. Adopted by the predestinating purpose of God through Jesus Christ. You can look at it that way, and that is certainly true in light of James 2.5 that I read to you a few minutes ago. God hath chosen the poor of this world rich in faith. He's lifted us up. And James would actually teach us in James chapter 1, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. How is he exalted? He's a son of God with the universe as his inheritance. If a man is going to inherit the universe, is he rather exalted? The universe is ours. All things are ours. Angels and principalities, heaven and earth, they're all ours. We own it all. And it's going to be soon displayed to the universe. When the great attorney, the mediator, the man Christ Jesus, will read the terms of the everlasting covenant, that we are joint heirs with him of God and of all that he has. Has he raised us up? Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Where was Saul of Benjamin when Samuel went to anoint him king of Israel? Not yet. We're getting there. He was trying to find his father's lost asses. Now, how's that for being from the dust of the earth and from the dunghill? He was running around looking for his father's lost asses. He wasn't playing for the Chicago Bulls, though he was taller than the rest of Israel from his shoulders up. After that, where was he when it came time for his coronation? When the band struck up God Save the King, where was Saul of Benjamin? Hiding in the stuff, the Bible would tell us. But, but the Lord lifted that man up and put him on the throne of Israel. Where was David when Samuel came to anoint him in Bethlehem? Keeping the sheep. Had his father forgotten about him? Yes. His brothers? Yes. They were sure it was them. It had to be their oldest brother. And then it had to be brother number two, but no, it wasn't any of them. It was David, and he put David on his throne. Where was Joseph in Egypt? Was he in a dunghill? Was he pulled out of the dust? Was he set among princes? He was given two tribes. Praise the Lord. And we could just keep going on. Who spoke this way when she prayed in 1 Samuel chapter 1? Hannah prayed just like these words right here because she was the despised wife of Elkanah who had another wife named Peninnah 
and Peninnah was producing all these children for Elkanah, and she wanted a child for her husband. And then the Lord gave her one, and then gave her some more, and so she had a large family, but she prayed a prayer that was like this, because the Lord set her up. You never read about Peninnah's children again anywhere, because they were relatively unimportant in God's plan of things. But Samuel was great. And we have two books of the Bible named after Samuel. And he's a hero of the faith and one of the five great men in the Bible. And so this is true. It's true of every one of us. If we will but think about what God has done in our lives. Any trouble in our lives or foolishness or any dust that we have clinging to us now, either... The Lord is magnifying Himself by putting us through some events in our lives, or it's our own foolishness. Because He has raised us up, and He's given us an eternal inheritance. And He's set us in a church with brothers and princes in His kingdom. We're going to rule the universe. This isn't Mormon theology. This is Bible Christianity. We're going to judge angels. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's raised us up. Thank you, Lord. Made us princes, even with the princes of his people. Verse 9, he maketh the barren woman to keep house. Does this great God who is so high and who must humble himself to behold the things in heaven, does he actually see a woman that wants to have children and who's barren? Does he see that? Does he see David with the sheep coat? Yes. Did he see Sarah and give her a son when she was reproductively dead? Did he see Hannah? Did he see the great woman of Shunem? Did he see Elizabeth? Did he see? Isn't it wonderful? Did he see Hagar? Did she rename him? Thou God seest me. She couldn't believe it. An Egyptian bond slave. Cast out by her mistress. Lost in the desert, God came to her. Though he be high, he comes down to the lowly when we put our trust in him and seek his face. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. This psalm praises him for his greatness. It praises him for his name. And it praises him for coming down providentially and interfering, blessing and favoring us in our little private lives. May the Lord be praised.